This is Lori Forrester, the wine coach with The Sipping Point, and I am so excited to introduce our next guest, Scott Klein. He's the sommelier at Passion Fish and many other restaurants in the Washington area, including D.C. Coast, District Commons, and Fuego. His brother is the executive chef at Passion Fish, one of the restaurants he creates the wine list for. And his depth of knowledge of wine, good humor, and innovative methods have made him perfect for the challenge of managing six restaurants, one person. And in 2008, the Restaurant Association of Metropolitan Washington, or the Ramy Awards, gave him the best wine and beverage program of the year. So this is an amazing man. He received his formal training from Master Sommelier Tim Haney, who I have met, one of only three experts in the world to hold both the Master Sommelier and Master of Wine title. And he organized the first Vouv Clicquot winemaker dinner in 2002 and has worked on the International Pinot Noir Celebration in Portland. Welcome to the show, Scott. Oh, thank you. Wow, that's quite the background. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, you know, we're all um, bowing at your feet right now. (laughs) Uh, You make it sound real impressive. Oh, it is. I mean, six restaurants that you're managing the wine list for. And that really is my first question for you, because... There are so much out there in the wine world, and there are so many different sommeliers and philosophies. What is your wineless philosophy overall in your head when you're approaching, just sitting down and writing a brand new list? Well, even like when I uh, just did it for um, Fuego, our newest restaurant out in Clarendon, um, really it's just uh, designing a wine list around the food and around the concept uh, that the restaurant is going to be. You know, and then I just have that as a starting point. Uh, and then I feel it's important, too, when you're designing the list, uh, you know, to offer as much as you can, uh, something for everyone in, in every price point. Okay. So whether, you know, so I'd like to have a, a wine list that is well spread out. That's great. And we, uh, prior to having you on here, we just did our Sips of the Week where I picked out two bubblies that are uh, made in states other than California, Oregon, and Washington, in honor of uh, DrinkLocalWine.com's Regional Wine Week, what, how do you incorporate regional wines or local wines to your list? Um, as much as possible, really. You know, we uh, carry quite uh, a good selection of uh, Virginia wines. Um, you know, a sparkling wine that I carry at Passion Fish by the Glass is uh, Virginia Fizz by uh, Tebow Janison. I mean, he does a great job. Great. I love that, and uh, that fits right in with our theme this week. <laughs> and speaking of that, you know, I saw that you do a because you manage six different restaurant lists. You're doing a lot of education with the staff, which I'm so thankful for because sometimes you go into restaurants and the staff has not been trained, and that makes all the difference in the wine experience at the table. What would you say for our listeners? Since you're used to training your staff, what's the most important skill for them? that you think they need to develop to really, you know, grow closer to wine, if you will, or, you know, just develop their wine education? Well, really with staff, and especially with, uh, you know, restaurant staff, you know, because turnover, you know, of, of staff tends to be a problem in the restaurant industry. So, you know, the the key to learning anything and retaining that knowledge is is, is all about repetition. I love that because on the on the flip side, you know, when I do consumer education, the biggest thing I try to teach is to trust your own palate, but you need to know how to describe <laughs> what you want and what you like. Because when you're at that table and the wait 
staff is there trying to help you, you need to be able to say, I like a full-bodied wine that's dry, or I like a lighter wine that's sweet or semi-sweet or whatever it is that you like. Yeah, just finding out what kind of wine that they drink at home is really a key point because a lot of people, you know, would feel, you know, embarrassed saying that they like sweet wine or, you know, because of, of a label or something. You right. Know, just, you know. Yeah, well, it, there, we have the saying that, that people like to uh, talk dry but drink sweet. So <laughs> it's the way it is. Okay, well, a couple of weeks from now, we're going to be celebrating Thanksgiving. And so I wanted to get some suggestions from you, a couple of wines Give me a white and a red that you suggest people uh, invest in for their Thanksgiving meal. You know, for Thanksgiving, you know, I mean, that's a, I mean, it's one of our favorite holidays, especially for, for our family, you know. So, you know, because we, you know, love to eat and drink. So, <laughs> um, I mean, you have to have a, a sparkling wine. Agree. You know, I mean, because one thing about champagne and or sparkling wine is that it just it goes with everything. And it's just a great way to start a meal. and It's a great way to end a meal. Um, I think, uh, you know, for white wines for, you know, Thanksgiving, you know, Riesling has got to be one of my favorites. You know, I'm, I'm biased. I like, uh, Alsatian Rieslings, mm-hmm. the mess, but German Rieslings go really well, mainly because, you know, they still are somewhat fruit forward, but they have a great acid content. And for a white wine for Thanksgiving with all that fat, you really need a, a wine with good acidity. Agreed. <clears throat> so Riesling it would be great with that. Gewürztraminer, of course, is always a go-to and Savignon Blanc. Um, people always feel comfortable with, mm-hmm. um, and you know, and there's a you know a wide range or selection of of, of rieslings at very good price points. So that's always a go-to for me for whites, you know, and for reds, you know, being spending 12 years in Oregon, you know, I I'm, I really love Pinot Noir. So oh wow, and and Pinot Noir is <clears throat> is phenomenal with uh, Agreed. uh Thanksgiving. You know, it's it's got great acidity forward because you really want to stay away from heavy tannic reds when it comes for thanksgiving because it just kind of like overwhelms your palate so you want some softer undertones um and and pinot noir gives you all of that and if you want a bigger red i mean there's i i love rhone wines and i Mm -hmm. think syrah is and grenache are are great varietals to go with thanksgiving so i like i always have a nice chateau of the pop or a vacaraz or a jigandas Nice. Well, and, and you can really find, you know, good, affordable round wines. I agree. And I'm getting ready to, um, after the break, I'm getting ready to talk to your brother, Chris Klein, who's the exec chef at Passion Fish. So before I get him on the line, I wanted to find out from you, how is it to work with your brother? Is there any kind of sibling rivalry that comes uh, into play here? <laughs> oh, no, 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 not at all. We, I mean, we work great together. Um, you know, and then one thing with him is that he... He likes to uh, create his food for the style of wine that he he likes. You know, we do many wine dinners out at Passion Fish, and and of course, Passion Fish is you know ninety five percent seafood. So, but he likes to have a lot of red wines with his wine dinner. So he will he will create the dish and and beef up the dish so that it'll go with these red wines and really hold up and stand up well, whether it's even fish or lobster. Right. So in, in that aspect, he, you know, him and I, we kind of coordinate, and he tells me what his dish is going to be and, and, and you know, the, the weight of the dish and the body and, and what kind of wine he, he's looking to, to put with that, and then I just take it from there. And we do the same thing when we have Thanksgiving dinner at our house. Great. Well, it's been so much fun talking to you, Scott Klein from Passion Fish, the sommelier, and you gave us some great tips for Thanksgiving as well. Thank you so much for being on the show. 
Oh, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Thank you. Up next on The Sipping Point, Chris Klein, executive chef of The Passion Fish. Discover the recipe for a delicious life each week on The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, each week, Saturdays at 12.30 p.m. on WBAL 1090 AM or at WBAL.com. You're listening to The Sipping Point with Lori Forster, the wine coach, and we've come to my favorite segment of every week, the wine sandwich. And that's where we sandwich great wine with the right food. You know, take a sip, take a bite, take a sip. And this week to help us with that, we have Chris Klein, who's the executive chef of Passion Fish Restaurant in Reston, Virginia. He's a native of Northern Virginia and a graduate of Johnson & Wales, one of the preeminent culinary schools in the country. He's a passion food hospitality veteran um, trained in Charleston, South Carolina, which is the food mecca at a five-star diamond called Woodlands Resort, and then came here to the Washington area and has worked with passion food hospitality, moving up in the ranks to his spot where he is now. And he supports the smart markets, local farmers, and other things, and keeping all things in the family... He has his brother, Scott, doing the wine list. We just got done talking to Scott. But, Chris, I am so excited to talk to you. Yes, it's a pleasure. I got to see the other side of the coin here. My husband's a chef, and we have a lot of disagreements whether the wine is more important or the food is more important. Uh, But I talked a little bit with Scott, and I asked him if there was any kind of issues working with his brother or any sibling rivalry and he said that uh, you guys work really well together and that sometimes you'll even kind of design your dish around fitting the right wine that's correct we've been working with each other for a long time and uh we really enjoy it. It's more of a family thing because uh, in our family, we were raised together. We used to do a lot of entertaining with my mom and dad. My dad was a Navy fighter pilot, and they threw big parties, and that's really how I started my focus on cooking. And Scott would actually kind of do the wine and stuff with it, and I did more of the cooking end. And professionally, when we finally came together, we would um, he would incorporate and make wine lists, and, of course, I would do the menu with Jeff Tunks or Chef Owner, and then we would uh, incorporate the kind of uh, concept we wanted, like a passion fist, which is like a global cuisine, which means we can kind of do any kind of cuisine that we want, which mm. is really uh, what is what I really love to do. Yes, and I was going to ask you that because I know you really try to support the local farmers like you do with Smart Markets and have that represented on the list. But then on the other side of the coin, you also have this international cuisine. So how do you really, when you create the menu, how do you bring that together, local and global? Well, what we do is we let the season of the ingredient uh, carry uh, the influence of the menu. So there's certain seasons for different kinds of fish, and then some fish are available year-round. And produce, obviously, there's some local produce that's available at certain different times. Like right now we're using apples, you know, local apples for um, our we call it Brayburn apples that we're using to cook for our apple crisp, and then we're using some of his kale greens and stuff like that. But before, even like last week, we're still using his heirloom tomatoes um, out of a Morehouse, Virginia, down Santa Cruz Produce, which is a local farmer named Jose Medina that does a lot of farming for us, not just from the smart markets. And then whether it's fresh corn in the peak of the summer to late, to the, the tomatoes, we also pair 
with whether it's you know fresh Carolina shrimp that we can get at a certain time of year, right at you know August or so in July. The shrimps really start to run in July, mm-hmm. and then if we can get you know the rockfish season when it comes in and pair that with you know we have some some beets that start coming, some of the root vegetables start to come in, whether we do some root croutons or something, and and pair it with a nice roasted rockfish skin on from local. So there's a lot of different things we can do, and internationally, you know, because we have sushi on the menu, um, and we have a sushi chef that we work with that we bring in hamachi from Japan and madai, Japanese red snapper, and those kind of things. And yeah. what we do is we use that for sashimi qualities, and then there's really not a season to that. So we don't really necessarily have to pair that. But if we wanted to pair something international uh, with something local, it would be like the Madai snapper that we'd, incur- uh, we'd bring in to do with like an heirloom tomato salad in the summertime. Or we would do it with, a root, like I was saying, like a root vegetable gratin or some of the fresh sweet potatoes they do, like a sweet potato souffle and mm-hmm. a nice champagne jumbo nice. crab, like Maryland crab cream sauce or something like that. Or if we were doing lighter, we'd do a simply francaise of... Um, like a local flounder, which are, they start running too, you know, out of and tuna also. All right, off well, the coast of um, Ocean City. Well, I have a question for you because in a couple of weeks here we're going to be staring down Thanksgiving, and mm-hmm. <laughs> being a chef, I, I'm sure you get plenty of questions from family and friends because you have this background. What do you think is the biggest cooking mistake that people make for Thanksgiving? I think there's a couple, but one of, one, of the, one of the biggest ones, one of the biggest mistakes I think there is, is that you either overcook, you cook too much food, you overproduce, I should say, <laughs> and then that way, because you don't know exactly how much to prepare, and so you're making things in big casserole dishes or whatever, so you should really get a per-ounce portion per person type thing to give you a general idea so you don't overproduce, because then you get the stress of, what am I going to do with all these leftovers, and there's people want to have leftovers, but some stuff you really is not that good leftover, and also... I would think that not brining your turkey and overcooking your turkey is probably the most common issue. Well, when you say brining, and I don't want to get us into a, a whole quagmire it's just here. A but... simple sugar or salt water or apple cider vinegar or, you know, something like that solution mixed, you know, with any kind of herbs, whatever. You can inject it, you know, and deep fry your turkeys or you can put it in a, in a plastic bag, you know, with that solution, a brine solution, kind of do it overnight. Okay. It doesn't really cure it, but what it does is it lets the moisture hold in within the bird itself. But even if you don't brine it, there's some things you can do, like putting nice herb butter, like underneath the skin and stuff, and do more of a slow cook, you know. I think everybody's really in a hurry these days. and. Mm-hmm. Or they're not in a hurry, and they do the slow cook, and they just let it go three, four hours. And they pull the bird out and let it sit, and then they're not ready to eat. So for the beginner cook, just let it use those little pop-up things. They'll work. Right. But right before that thing pops up, you want to be ready to serve. You don't okay. want to let it pop up and then it sit in the oven or pop up and let it sit covered for 30 minutes or so. Gotcha. So if you're going to rely on something like that, let it. I mean, it works great if you use it right away. But if you're using more fresh bird, you just go by the temperature. You pull the bird at about 150 degrees. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's gonna, and you keep it covered, and it'll carry over cook about 10 to 15 degrees, and then okay. you're ready to go. I like to do a deconstructed turkey, debone it, and then stuff and truss the legs with the stuff and everything in it. So I have like Ooh. a roulade. Ooh, interesting. Well, if folks want to not cook because they're going to be sick of that <laughs> coming soon and they want to come out and join you at the restaurant, where can they come out to find more information and make reservations? Well, Passion Fish, you, know, you can always follow us on Facebook and then also com 
is uh, our website so that you can really find out what's going on. Facebook will give you day-to-day, you know, what kind of specials we're running, what's up and coming, you know, and then on the website as well, uh, you can see about cooking classes and what's going on the entire company. I like it. Chris Klein, Executive Chef of Passion Fish, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much. It was a pleasure talking to you. Cheers.